For truth and diversity come to Radio Simi. Hi everyone, welcome back to Radio Simi. I'm your host, Aliyah Ewing, and in this episode we'll be talking about the November election results as well as learning more about the true history of Thanksgiving. Tune in on our next episode to hear from local state senator Monique Lamon. More than 3,000 votes in Ventura County have not been counted. Most of these missing votes are because either their signature is missing or the signature on their ballot doesn't match their ID. The deadline to cure these ballots is December 5th at 5 p.m. If the votes are not cured in time, the votes will not count. If you received a text or email that your vote has not been counted, you can check our website radiocme.com and fill out the signature verification form there, which only takes about 30 seconds. It's a single page and just requires your signature and basic information like your home address and date of birth. My vote wasn't counted and it took me less than a minute to fill out this form and email it to the county to change that. If you're unsure if your vote was counted, feel free to send us an email or message us on social media and we can let you know the status of your ballot. Although not all ballots have been counted, these are the semi-official election results from the Ventura County Elections Division website. In Simi Valley, the main two contenders for mayor were Joe Ayala and Fred Thomas. Republican candidate Fred Thomas won with a large turnout of over 22,000 votes. This is more than our current Republican mayor Keith Mashburn earned in 2018. Democratic candidate Joe Ayala was the closest contender with 14,000 votes, which is 36% less than Fred Thomas. Mary Poitier came in third with less than 5,000 votes, which is about 77% less than Fred Thomas. Overall, 44,000 people came out to vote for Simi Valley mayor, which was a large turnout than expected for a midterm election, but not as high as it could be. Republican candidate Mike Judge won the city council seat in District 2, again with about 1,000 more votes than young Democrat Sean Wiseman. In City Council District 4, Republican candidate Rocky Rhodes took the lead of Democratic candidate Nancy Mason by close to 3,000 votes. Eric Lundstrom, another Republican candidate in this district, was the third closest contender with over 1,500 votes, but still less than 50% of Nancy Mason's votes and less than 75% of Rocky Rhodes' votes. To summarize, this means that all candidates who won in Simi Valley City Council and mayoral races are Republican, and since there is no Democratic incumbent, we will be having a full Republican City Council for the next two years until the 2024 election. The Simi Valley School Board results are unsurprising, as left-leaning candidates tend to win these races. However, the races were closer than expected, and is probably related to the recent reactions towards school districts and school board members. Christina Pine is a Democrat in Area D who won by around 700 votes, and Don Smullen is a left-leaning independent in Area E who won by about 1,500. Now, the park board race in Simi Valley is very interesting. Unlike our city council and school board races, our park board is not split up by districts, it is citywide. Every two years, candidates can run for election to the park board, and the terms are four years long. Brian Denner and Ed Abele were both recent incumbents that ran for re-election and won, with Republican Ed Abele receiving about 3,500 more votes than Democrat Brian Denner. However, since two seats were open, both candidates won this election. They ran against two other Democrats, both who got less than 8,000 votes each. There were over 66,000 votes total for this race, which is 20,000 more votes than the Simi Valley mayoral race. Our park district encompasses some of Oak Park, which could explain part of the reason why there are more votes cast in that race. However, the more reasonable explanation is that voters were allowed to vote for two candidates, so the amount of votes cast is going to be larger than our mayoral race, but the amount of people who voted in our parks and rec race is still less than our mayoral race. Now, Simi Valley could benefit from higher turnout rates, and one way we can increase civic engagement is by getting more people registered to vote increasing awareness about the importance of local races and midterm elections to younger voters since they have the lowest turnout rates, and better education. 
Simi Valley has a larger left-leaning and BIPOC population than people believe, and an all-white Republican city council does not accurately reflect the demographics of its residents. Research shows that one way we can increase equity and representation in our city's elected officials is by having ranked choice voting. Sean Wiseman, a political science major at Cal Poly, is going to tell us a little bit more about ranked choice voting. A lot of people don't know what ranked choice voting is. They've either never heard of it or they have, but they don't really know how it works. So when you get your ballot, you can, as you're used to, just select one candidate per race, but you also have the option to rank your second or third choice, depending on how many candidates are in that race. So if your first choice candidate is in the top two of the candidates in that race, your vote goes to them. However, if your first pick does not end up in the top two of the initial results, your vote will then go to the person you ranked second, if anybody. If you didn't rank a second, your ballot is depleted. There's another word, but your vote is wasted. But with ranked choice, your vote then goes to that second candidate. So you still have a say in who was elected, even if the first person you voted for really didn't have a Shot. Now, say that second person also doesn't make it, then it will go to the third, and so on and so forth. Now, ranked choice is great for several reasons. As I already talked about, it makes sure that your vote counts, that it doesn't go to waste. Um, and what this allows for is, say, in a case where there is an incumbent and multiple people want to challenge that incumbent, they can without splitting the vote. Or say there isn't an incumbent, but you have a race where there are two liberal candidates and one conservative candidate, and the voter breakdown in that district would say is about 60% uh, Democratic voters, 40% Republican. Now, even though it's 60-40 favoring Democrats or liberals, if they have two liberal candidates, they might split the vote and the conservative might win. But with ranked choice voting, you can have those two candidates, say one of them is a more progressive liberal, one of them is a more centrist. They can both run. They can both go into the general election without splitting the vote with ranked choice because whichever one of them doesn't do as well, hopefully enough of those people who put their first vote for that person will have ranked the other liberal candidate second, and that candidate will still get above 50% and beat the conservative. And this works the other way too, where you have conservatives splitting the vote in a conservative district. Bias aside, it is overall a much better system where everybody's vote counts. It is no secret to those who live here that Simi Valley's population is predominantly white, with approximately 60% of our population identifying as such, according to census data. And you would think that over our history, we would have had maybe not totally proportional representation, but something somewhat close to it, but that is not the case. Since the city's incorporation in October 1969, over the course of our 73-year history as a city, we have only ever had two minority city council members. This includes Glen Becerra, who served on our city council from 1998 until 2018, and current councilwoman Ruth Lovanos, who was elected in 2018 and whose term is expiring, and she did not run for re-election due to constant harassment and even some death threats. Simi Valley's Latino population currently sits at around 20%, and yet for the first time in 24 years, we will have an entirely white city council. This does not represent our population in terms of not only identity politics, but the needs of members of our community. And I believe that this is something that ranked choice voting 
could fix because minority candidates won't get pushed out of the election too early. They will have a chance to fully run their campaigns through the general election and actually have a shot. People won't have to, you know, play it safe and vote for the white candidates, the one who they believe has a better shot. And that is what we need to move our city forward. Another form of inequity in our local races is some of our districts being only available during midterm elections like District 2 and 4, as well as our school board races. We know that voter turnout is going to be lower in midterm elections, and lower voter turnout rates result in unequal representation, which is what we have currently. So people who live in these midterm districts are always going to be at a disadvantage compared to people who live in districts where they can vote during presidential election years. 50% of our population is not getting the representation it deserves because of this. A lower voter turnout rate harms democracy and makes it easier for our elected officials to continue making decisions unchecked. The longevity and stability of our democratic institutions rely on voting, and higher voter turnout rates can protect us from corruption and the threats of small factions overthrowing our government. It's imperative that we increase voter turnout rates in Simi Valley and across the state, so we need to begin brainstorming and implementing solutions to this issue. Radio Simi is very interested in learning more about the causes of low civic engagement, so we've created a survey to hear about why people might not vote. It's a very short survey. It's about five multiple choice questions and you can find it at our website radiosimi.com. Congrats to all the candidates who won and thank you to every candidate who ran for your hard work and dedication to making Simi Valley a better city. Thanksgiving is a national holiday that is usually inaccurately taught to us since we're children, including within SVUSD. Adam Fusich will be giving us a segment on research he has done on the true history of Thanksgiving. Welcome back to Radio See Me. I'm Adam. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the first Thanksgiving, what led up to it, and what happened after it. Our story starts when the English colonies of New England settled into the area. It started with the Plymouth and the Pilgrims, who were a rowdy bunch in England. They weren't so much fleeing religious persecution as they were political freedom. They were a very radical bunch. They believed that there were no natural hierarchies on earth. They fought private property in England, which pissed off the king. And in 1625, after a surplus of food, the Plymouth colonists invited the Wampanoag to have a feast. It's essentially what we all learned in elementary school. Less than a generation afterwards, in 1675, three Wampanoag warriors were charged in the death of an Englishman in Plymouth Colony. Now, there was no evidence tying them to the crime, and the Wampanoag were a sovereign nation, so the English colonists had absolutely no jurisdiction over there. But the English colonists, in their <laughs> arrogance, didn't care and exercised their authority over them. The Wampanoag and the sachem of the Wampanoag Poconoquit was Metacomet, King Philip. It was his English name. He was the sachem and the leader of that group, and he retaliated. And it was a very cold winter, and they kicked off what is known as King Philip's War. Now, King Philip's War is a very important war to that area. It has the highest death count per capita of any war in American history, and was very brutal. And the Native Americans very well could have won if it weren't for some very genocidal leaders, such as Captain Mosby. He was a racist, genocidal English commander 
who specifically wanted to kill Indians. And he came over and he burned the Narragansett, the one near Rhode Island, and he attacked them preemptively. And eventually King Philip's war ended in an English victory, meaning that they were able to basically enforce their will over the American Indians who were fighting simply to have their own sovereignty as they had since time immemorial. They eventually fled north towards Canada. So the Wampanoag, who were part of the first Thanksgiving and worked together, were betrayed time and time and again, and they were subdued and destroyed by the English's will to take over all that tract of land, basically carved their way across the continent. Hey guys, I'm Jenny. Hi, I'm Caleb. And we're Terrapin Skincare. And this is our story. We're a beauty brand that focuses on creating beauty products with clean ingredients. The concept of Terrapin started from a beauty product Caleb found in my bathroom. And when he tried the product himself and realized that it wasn't doing anything on the skin, that's when he decided to make body scrubs. He knew he wanted to improve the product that would actually take care of the skin without the harsh chemicals. Back in August, I was actually going to be moving out of state, but it didn't work out. I sat down with Caleb and I told him I was willing to make this dream of his into a reality. I always knew I wanted to get into business or into a leadership role, but I wasn't sure how that was going to look. I saw this as an opportunity to not only manage a company, but to ultimately serve as a positive influence. Fast forward, we created a brand from scratch, and our hope is that when you try our products, you'll love them as much as we do. For more information on our business, you can check us out at Terrapin Skincare on Instagram, TikTok, and Etsy. Thank you so much for listening to episode 23 of Radio Simi. If you need more information on the election results or how to cure your ballot, please feel free to reach out. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Simi. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also do have a Patreon, so if you're interested in helping us build better surveys, helping us pay for our website and other fees, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Radio All of our episodes are on Spotify, Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon. If you're interested in more accessible options for our episodes, send us a message or email and we'll assist you the best we can. Thank you so much for listening and tune in on our next episode to hear from local state senator Monique Lamont.